wherever you are listening from. Talk Recorded live. This is an interactive, interactive. interactive podcast designed for audience participation. Come talk, 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 text chat, or listen live at TalkShoe.com. Good day wherever you are listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio. My name is Joe Hughes, or Radio Joe, and I'm on the road this week in Nashville, Tennessee at the IAQA Annual Convention, although my co-host Cliff Slotnick and our technical assistant, Cyber Jockey CJ, are back in the studio. Are you guys on the line? Yes, we are, Joe. Yeah, Joe, we're here. All right. Let's get this show on the road. First, before we get started, we would like to thank this week's Spotlight sponsor. Again, this week we have Dry Ease Products, providing equipment for drying water-damaged homes and buildings. Dry Ease is first in drying solutions at dryease.com. That's D-R-I hyphen eaz.com and we also want to thank our original and continuing sponsor here at IAQ Radio Indoor Environment Connections the newspaper for the IAQ industry subscriptions and advertising information available at ieconnections.com well today's guests if they get here in time will include some luminaries from here at the IAQA annual convention. We are going to have Adam Andrews, the Assistant Executive Director of the American Indoor Air Quality Council. We are hopeful that David Fetvite, the IESO President and Aerotech P&K Vice President, will be here to make a big announcement that uh, was made here at the conference. And Mark Delau the new vice president on the IAQA Board of Directors from Delau & Associates is also on his way up here to the room. First time we've tried it this way. Hopefully everything will go well. For those of you that are listening in, you can contact the show. We are live every Friday at noon. And uh, that's noon Eastern. I almost uh, made a big boo-boo here at the central uh, time zone here in Tennessee Cliff. Thank goodness we pulled that off. And um, you can have an email reminder sent to you if you give us your email at info at iaqtraining.com. We will remind you that the show is on and who the guests are for the next show. To call in, you have to go to the www.talkshoe.com website and sign up for your 10-digit PIN number. We suggest a phone number that is easy to remember, and once again, I'll remind all of you out there lucky enough to still have a mother living, or if you want to uh, remember that phone number, use her phone number, and then the PIN for our show is 1547. All of this info will be available by clicking onto the link at iaqtraining.com and uh, also at the talkshoe.com website. And or you can simply register at TalkShoe and send us a text message, and our assistant in the studio here will help us with that. All right, it's time for the microband trivia question. I don't know what it is this week, so I'm going to turn it over to Cliff Zlotnick 
president and owner of Microband Systems. Thanks, Joe. This week, I would like to have several Microband trivia moments. First of all, we want to play some catch-up and remind everybody that we still have some vintage trivia questions that are in play. Uh, congratulations to Chad Seams of Iowa City, Iowa, for correctly providing the answer to last week's trivia question, which was, which insect is born pregnant without the benefit of sex and gives birth 10 days later? The answer was aphids. This was Chad's second correct answer and places him only one answer away from joining Mark Brenner in the round of champions. Interesting, Darren Hadima from Washington State also provided the correct answer, but he was 43 minutes too late. This week we would like to play place two more trivia questions into play. The first one comes from the insect world. This wood-destroying insect flies and drills holes three-eighths of an inch to one-half inch in diameter against the grain of the wood. After penetrating to a depth of approximately one inch, the insect abruptly bores at a right angle to the entry hole. This insect prefers to attack wooden areas such as window sills, wooden siding, eaves, decks, railings, etc. Name this wood-destroying insect. The second question is, name the insecticide recommended for use in eradicating ringworm. Back to you, Joe. Thank you, Cliff. Well, we are having a little difficulty getting our guests into the room, so what I'd like to do is just quickly update those of you that weren't able to attend this year's conference at, uh, in Nashville. The IAQA annual conference has been uh, quite a success, over a 1,000 attendees, and some uh, real exciting uh, announcements have been made here. One, that we're going to have um, Adam Andrews in on at 11, uh, 11.30, uh, my time, 12.30, your time, to discuss. The other one that um, well, I guess was most important here this week was that the IESO, the Indoor Environmental Standards Organization, those of you listening out there, may or may not be as familiar with the Indoor Air Quality Association and the IESO and all the acronyms. Let me quickly give you an overview of what's happened in the last year. It's just been a really exciting year. And what happened is uh, in the past, indoor air quality associations didn't really work together as well as we would like. And last year at this time, there was a big announcement that three of these associations were going to unify and consolidate their programs. And over the past year, the work of putting those programs together has occurred. These three competing associations are now working in a unified and consolidated manner to help move the indoor air quality or indoor environmental quality, whichever you prefer, industry forward. And I'd like to quickly review what they're goals and what their charge is with respect to moving this industry forward. The Indoor Air Quality Association used to do certification and training and membership and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now their primary responsibility is membership. And this year, IAQA was proud to announce that membership has gone up to 5,170 members with 720 new members this year. Now, obviously, when you combine three associations' memberships, we had the Indoor Environmental Standards Organization, the American Indoor Air Quality Council, you'll find overlapping uh, 
overlapping memberships, and as a result, there was some attrition. But when you grow to over 5,000 members, you start to become recognized as a power horse and a powerhouse, I should say. And that is really one of the key announcements this week is that we've got above and beyond that 5,100 mark, actually. And I really want to express gratitude to the people who started and have worked so hard at developing the Indoor Environmental Standards Organization for giving up their membership. I mean, that's that's a hard thing to do. Um, Cliff, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, I, I can't imagine uh, what other associations would, would be willing to do that. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen that. I know you've been in the industry for 20, 30 years now. Have you ever seen that type of thing occur? Well, it's, it's it's been a challenge. Uh, yes, I think for a while uh, the Association of Specialists in Cleaning and Restoration, ASCR, uh, who competed with the IICRC for many years, uh, joined the IICRC. And I was actually glad to see that happen, and ASCR remained engaged there. And that occurred when I was actually in, heavily involved. I was on the board of directors. I was you know, moving up to be president of the organization. And then they decided to leave. And I think that, that when that decision was made, it was momentous in that all the positive things that had been occurred just disintegrated at that particular point, and now they're back competing again. That's, that's a shame, and, and we hope that maybe we can be an example for others out there that uh, you know we can, we can all work together. But there's still two great organizations, and we've had representatives. In fact, we have one on the line. Cliff's on the board of directors. So we're still working with two great organizations, and uh, hopefully we'll all start to work. We actually, I, I wanted to mention this to you, that we actually had, uh, ASCR had a booth here at the conference. IICRC had a booth here at the conference. So the Environmental Information Association had a booth here. We are starting to see a movement toward working together, and, and I think that's a, a good sign. So the IESO, Indoor Environmental Standards Organization, they gave up their membership. They gave up their certification programs. And what did they get in return? Well, they got to do standards. And as a matter of fact, I have a gentleman just now walking in the door here who is the president of the IESO and vice president of Aerotech Laboratories, Inc., David Fetfight. David, please say hello to Cliff. Hi, Cliff. How you doing? Good, David. How are you? I understand you've got some pretty exciting news for us. I can't wait to hear it. Well, as a matter of fact, we do. Do you want to hear it now, or should we make everybody hold on and build up to it for the next 50 minutes? Well, you can hold your breath as long as you can. That's how I'm... <laughs> No, well, I'll tell I, I tell everybody a little bit of a story and get some background on this. But we've uh, we've been working since the day that IESO was was uh, founded. We knew that uh, ultimately, if we wanted to have standards that were going to be respected in the industry, <clears throat> that we really needed to have the backing of ANSI. We needed to have the accreditation that was going to allow our standards to be recognized internationally, recognized by government, um, and in all practical cases, you know, ANSI accredited standards are are second to second to law. Uh, for the most part. So as soon as the unification uh, came about and we announced that, we knew that the opportunity was right uh, to go forward and pursue our ANSI accreditation. Now, it, a, lot of, a lot of the reasons we kind of held back from it before is we knew it was going to be a lengthy and costly endeavor. And we, 
even had, had estimated last year at, uh, at last year's show that it was potentially going to be a two-year project and maybe cost as much as $100,000, which was a tall order uh, for a small organization. But obviously we had the backing of IAQA and the council uh, to move forward with it. Everybody knew that it needed to be a top priority. And as I said in, our, uh, in the general session meeting yesterday, um, I, I had someone approach me before we made the announcement yesterday and say, you know what, ISO, out of these three organizations, we got great organizations, ISO kind of seems to be the weakest link. And uh, I said, you know what, you're right, but uh, but not for much longer. And I tell you, Christy Lee uh, is the technical director for IAQA. She's now the secretariat for IESO. And uh, we formed a subcommittee in December of last year, uh, ANSI Accreditation Subcommittee. Uh, they worked hard. Um, ANSI, or, uh, Christy just poured her heart and soul into it, and uh, and we were able to come uh, under budget and ahead of schedule, and we were able to announce yesterday at the general session that we have indeed received our ANSI accreditation. Uh, it was a huge, uh, huge momentous uh, occasion and huge announcement. It's just huge for the organization, and we couldn't be more pleased. Got a question for you, actually, that deals with this. How did you achieve this in terms of did the organization and volunteers do it yourselves, or did you hire an expert to navigate you through this process? Well, luckily we didn't have to go out into the market and identify an expert. We we had one on staff, and that was Christy Lee. Um, obviously, we had you know we she worked under the direction of the ANSI Accreditation Committee, which was chaired by uh, Dr. David Bell and uh, Carl Grimes served on that committee as well. Um, so a couple guys that had some experience in working with uh, uh, a credit, you know, or standards writing organizations and kind of knew what it was going to involve. Uh, but we basically went to uh, our management uh, management company, to Glenn's team, and said, "Hey, you know what? If we're going to do this, we either need to hire somebody from the outside that's going to be full time, or you know, you need to give us somebody like Christy uh, Lee who can just dedicate full time, get her arms around it, and 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 run this thing from start to finish." And that's exactly what she did. Very good. Well, what's your organization's position on standards development? Uh, you know, sometimes standards can be very prescriptive. In other situations, they can be non-prescriptive. By prescriptive, I mean, are these standards written to the state-of-the-art standard, which may often exceed the level at which work is being done in the field? Does your organization have an opinion on what type of standards that you're going to produce? Well, the, be the beautiful thing is that our, our organization is back backs the consensus process for developing standards. So ultimately, our committees are going to develop standards that the industry is crying out for uh, because it's going to be the industry players and members that are going to be in the committees writing them. Um, so I, I foresee uh, there being a variety of standards that come out of these committees. Some of them might be very very pres prescriptive, very focused. Um, some of them might be general guidelines. There's a very good chance that we'll probably need to come out with some, uh, you know, some standard uh, nomenclature that'll say, hey, this is a guideline, but this is a standard, and be able to define the difference um, because it's something that's very important. Um, similar to how ASTM standards are out there now, there's you know there's standard practices, there's guidelines, there's standard methods, um, and it really depends on what uh, what type of process you're trying to accomplish and uh, and creating a document to suit it. Well, thank you for answering my questions. I'm sure Joe has some more for you. Uh, Put on mute. Oh, need to unmute Joe. Is Joe unmuted? Guest two. Go ahead, Joe. You got me now. Yep. Excellent. We are uh, working through the 
technical glitches here. David, I, I, I guess, you know, this ANSI accreditation thing is, is huge. What's the first? I know there's a, a tremendous need for numerous certificate or numerous standards out there within this industry. What, what, in your mind, is the most important one? Which is the first one you intend to tackle? Or is there a first one? Well, again, you know, we'll let the we'll let the committees and and uh, really decide. I mean, it's really going to be decided by how many people jump in uh, and and start asking for which standards. But what from what I've heard so far and talking with a lot of people, and I've I've had the chance to uh, to rub elbows with a lot of people that are here at the show that are really excited and interested in getting involved. And it seems to me that the the biggest hole that we have right now is in the area of assessment. Um, and whether that be mold assessment or other assessment for other IAQ parameters, that right now seems to be where the biggest gap is and uh, where there's the majority of work that needs to be done. So I would assume that that's probably um, going to be a high priority, going to be a popular committee. Um, but, you know, there's no reason that we need to, to do one at a time. There's a really good chance that we'll be able to do, you know, start five or six simultaneously and do them all at the same time. Uh, there's, it's as many as many volunteers as we can get to step in and want to be involved in the committees and, and dedicate their time to writing standards and, and uh, editing and commenting. Um, we'll do as many at a time as we can. Well, what what happens to the current IESO standard? You have a, a standard for residential screens on property transactions. What happens to that one, David? That's a very good question. Um, as that standard was developed uh, prior to our ANSI accreditation, obviously, those standards were originally drafted in 2002, um, they do not yet carry the ANSI accreditation. I think it's a very important distinction because I had a couple people come up to me and say, oh, great, now that you have accreditation, you know, your IESO standards are ANSI-backed. And I said, well, time out, not quite. Um, those standards will need to go back into committee and follow the ANSI process because they have very strict Guidelines, and that's what makes that's what makes ANSI accreditation valuable, and what what makes the standards that come out of the process valuable, uh, is that there's very strict rules on on how the committees are formed, uh, who makes up the committees, um, how uh, comments from the committees are handled, and how public comments are handled and incorporated into the standards. So, those standards will go back in the committee, go through the commenting process. Um, hopefully, you know, given the fact that these standards have been out in the industry for a while. Um, we know that there are some changes that need to be made to them. Uh, then we've kind of been holding back because we knew that this uh, that the accreditation was pending. We wanted to wait and be able to do it right. Uh, so those will hopefully within the next uh, year we'll be able to have those standards republished, uh, and they'll be ANSI backed and possibly along with other standards that we'll be working on. The um, prior to you coming on on the line here, David, I had been discussing the fact that we had unified and consolidated these three organizations, and the beauty of it is we have all representatives from all three uh, of those groups here in the in the room, actually in Nashville. And uh, I was telling the listeners that you know it's I think it was a really bold and unselfish act for the. IESO to give up their membership, and, and and the same with the council. Adam Andrews is here, and he'll be on next. Uh, how did your membership react when you told them they were giving up their memberships and they were not going to be certified through IESO any longer? Well, you know, as with any change, uh, we got we got mixed reviews. Um, but you know, as we all know, the only thing that's certain in life is that there's going to be change. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, we really had to take lead, and you know, the real you know, the real underlying motivation for all three organizations is that we knew 
um, that as, as tough as it might be to make the unification happen, we knew that ultimately uh, the end result was going to be that the entire industry would benefit. And, and of course, the, you know, the, the ultimate end result is that uh, consumers out there uh, in our country and internationally are going to be protected and be healthier. I mean, that's ultimately why everybody, um, I would hope, uh, is in this business. Um, we all we all care for people's health and, and quality of the indoor air and the environments that we live in. So we knew that to reach that ultimate goal and to best um, serve the consumers in the end, uh, that if we came together and focused on our areas of specialty, that we could accomplish that goal much quicker. Well, thanks for that answer, and David. I, I, because we were uh, a little halfway, a little, a little crazier today. I didn't really give our listeners a proper introduction for you, and uh, I did introduce you as the president of IESO, and uh, you, you've got a bunch of hats you're wearing there. You're also vice president of Aerotech PNK. Well, Could you? Technically president, but president. vice president will work. We don't have any vice presidents. <laughs> ah, okay. I apologize for that. No worries. Uh, Mr. President, and uh, you're also president of the CIA. Is that, is that a position, CIAQ president, or is there a chairman of that? It's just it's a chairman of a committee, you know, as, as part of the unification uh, process, uh, you know, when we had all the, the presidents and executive directors of all three organizations come together, uh, and we said, hey, you know what, we need to have some sort of forum where we can all make sure that we're going to be uh, on the same page and pulling the same oar moving forward. And so uh, uh, President Bob Baker and Executive Director Glenn Fellman, um, Charlie Wiles, Adam Andrews were all kind enough to uh, to nominate me to, to chair a kind of a, a, a guiding committee, which we, we have have named the CIAQ. It's not an organization or anything um, of that nature, but it's kind of just a, a committee that uh, that sits up and off to the side that we can all a forum that we can all exchange uh, not only our ideas and make sure that we're all going in the same direction, but actually as part of the unification agreements that each of the organizations signed, there's certain uh, responsibilities with regards to how we communicate, how the three organizations communicate with each other, including financial reporting and, and membership reporting. And, you know, thing, you know, we had an obligation through to the other organizations through the CIAQ, for example, that IESO was going to pursue and achieve anti-accreditation. Um, and that's something that they all signed off on and backed us on. Uh, and so as a result, when we have our next quarterly CIAQ meeting, uh, we'll obviously be able to proudly announce that, you know, that we achieved accreditation ahead of schedule and under budget, and, uh, and, and then likewise IAQA will report on, on where they're at with regards to membership and, and uh, training programs, and the council will be able to report to, with regards to how the certification programs are going, and, and of course the exciting news of, uh, of some of the new programs that, uh, that Adam Andrews will be able to share with us a little bit later. I, I was almost afraid to mention another acronym there, Dave. I, 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 you know, people were already acronymed out here, and uh, let's let's forget we said that. And uh, you did though explain very well for us what the role of this group is. Well, we won't even mention the acronym again here. I think I'll leave that out of my future conversation. I want to use that for trivia questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything you wanted to add? No, meanwhile, speaking of trivia questions, Chad already answered the, the first one within seconds. I was pretty impressed. Uh, Chad is on it. <laughs> yeah, Chad is on it. There's no doubt about it. Uh, no, I, I was just thinking that you know, prior to letting our guests go, we want to know how they can be contacted. Uh, we also want to know whether or not there's anything that they would like to add to the program. 
Well, I think uh, the next step with, is with regards to how ISO is going to go is uh, we are going to be announcing, and, and, and the beauty of it is, you know, the standards that we're going to be able to create. Obviously, um, you know, we have unification partners. Part of our ANSI accreditation, we, we, cannot, uh, we cannot require that people on our committees are IAQA members. Um, however, we will be using IAQA membership databases as our, as our primary source as far as we're going to be drawing people to, to invite them to join these standards writing committees. So very shortly, uh, there will be communications going out uh, to the IAQA membership saying, hey, you know what, here's the committees that are, that are forming right now. If you want to get involved, this is how you get involved. There's an, there's an interest form uh, that everybody must fill out. It's basically an application to be on a committee. Um, and right now there's absolutely no fee for that. If you're interested, you sign up, you fill up the form, you tell them what, what area of interest uh, that you represent, and uh, attach a CV, let, let us know, you know where you want to serve and, and, and at what level. And then we'll begin forming those committees, and, and then there will be more communication at the committee level moving forward. Exciting stuff. Do you have any tips for consumers? You know, I'm just wondering whether or not yeah, there's something there from a standards perspective that consumers should look for. You know, at this point, you know, the consumers are kind of going to benefit um, with a couple degrees of separation. I mean, primarily the standards that we're coming out to shoot with um, probably over the next 12 months are really going to be documents that professionals in the industry can use. Um, and it's just going to really, it's going to raise the bar. And it's one of those things that go hand in hand with, with a quality certification program. You know, and if you're a consumer, you want to have somebody who's certified and has the experience. And if, and if they are, then they better be using these standard documents to in 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 order to complete their job, and there'll be there'll be standards and, and uh, rules that they need to be following in the industry to do their job the way they should be doing it. Well, nice segue right into our next guest there, David, Mr. President. Thank you. I appreciate that. Hey, thanks uh, for having me on. Thanks for and sharing now your time. And reach reach you again. I'm sorry, I didn't let you finish. Well, that. no, they can reach us through uh, through the IESO website, iestandards.org. Um, more than welcome to also reach me through Aerotech PK. There's an 800 on our on our website, aerotechpk.com. Um, I've got phone numbers on there, but uh, email defetfight at aerotechpk.com, and uh, pretty easy to get in touch with. David, thank you very much, Cliff. Thanks again, Dave. Thanks, Jen. All right. And uh, before we bring our next guest, I would like to continue discussion of the IESO. IAQA, AMIQ Council, and preferably IAQ Council will refer to them as from here on out, unification. And, and what, a, what a project it was. And we, we started the show by discussing that unification and consolidation and what type of unselfish uh, acts had to occur for that to become a reality. And uh, we probably had I would say the group that maybe was the least selfish in this uh, whole process, even though we've had our ups and downs, has been the uh, the American Indoor Air Quality Council. They gave up membership. They gave up uh, their their newsletters. They gave up uh, a lot of things that they used to do to concentrate on being a certification body and to have an independent. Uh, certification body that is separate from the group that has the membership body and does and provides the training. And we are lucky enough to have with us the Assistant Executive Director of the IAQ Council, Mr. Adam Andrews. Adam, welcome to IAQ Radio. Thanks, Joe. Good to be here. 
Uh, Adam, it's been uh, quite an interesting week here in, in Nashville, and uh, what, I, what I had promised on the uh, website last night was that you were going to announce to the rest of the world that wasn't able to make it here your big announcement about the new program the council was running. Could you fill us in a little bit on that? Sure, I'd be happy to. As I mentioned at the meeting uh, yesterday, one of the things that the Council has really been uh, working hard on over the last year since unification was announced is to find a way to throw our doors open to as wide a range of entry-level candidates as possible in terms of certification, while at the same time maintaining the high standards that we've set for ourselves uh, in the certification end of this unification partnership. And really we felt like there's been a hole down there at the bottom, the entry level of the, of the field, where people who may not qualify for our board-awarded CESB accredited certifications because of lack of field experience would have a way to get into the industry to begin their IAQ careers and get started with a, with a top flight program. So what we announced on Thursday morning was the Council Certified Apprentice Program. Uh, and we have one of those certifications, a Council Certified Apprentice in each of three certification tracks, the indoor environment investigation track, the microbial investigation track, and then also the microbial remediation track. And this is a certification that's available to anyone regardless of his field experience. The candidate simply takes a test from an approved course provider, um, uh, sends the test into the council, and it's, it's graded. He pays a, a nominal $100 certification fee. That is, if he's an IAQA member, the fee is slightly higher for non-members. And that's pretty much it. There are no uh, experience requirements, no verification of project sheets, uh, no transcripts have to be forwarded. There's no board review of the certification. It's just a very accessible entry-level certification. The one, the one slight rub is that the, that the certificate holder can only renew his certification for a period of three years, after which it expires permanently. Um, of course, we've designed it so that by that time, he has accumulated the field experience that's necessary for board-awarded certification as either a CIE or a CMR or a CMI. And so we've created a way that, a, that an entry-level candidate with no field experience can become certified and then accumulate that field experience and enter our higher-level programs with ease and with a nice smooth transition. So that's the announcement that we got to make uh, yesterday morning. We're real excited about it. We think it's going to open up a new, uh, uh, new opportunities for people to join our growing field. That's very exciting. Um, will there be an opportunity to take some of these tests in languages other than English? Uh, we are working on that as well and have, uh, have begun the process of getting them translated into Spanish at this point. Uh, we haven't looked beyond Spanish yet, but um, are certainly open to, uh, to proceeding in that direction. I've got a text question from you that's been texted in from a Jay Loggins from Georgia. The question is, is there another organization which provides certifications other than the IICRC? Uh, you mean besides the council and the IICRC, you mean? Well, I guess the council might be an alternative. His question was, is there an alternative other than the IICRC is the way I read the question. I see. Well, I suppose, I suppose you could say that the council certifications are um, uh, would be the answer to his question. Uh, we have certifications, as I mentioned, in three tracks, actually in four tracks. Uh, environmental investigation, which would cover the broad range of indoor air quality issues. And then microbial investigation, which concentrates on microbial sampling. 
And then finally, microbial remediation, which concentrates on the, um, the remediation of microbial issues in indoor environments. The fourth certification track that we offer is an administrative track, which covers the indoor air quality management field. And so the council really offers a full slate of certifications, um, not only including uh, the kind of things that IICRC covers, uh, you know, water damage restoration and those sorts of things, but also the full range of indoor air quality. And, you know, I'd like to mention here that uh, that was the, the third group that had to give something up as a part of this unification. The one group that used to provide these certifications is the Indoor Air Quality Association. And let me give my own consumer tip for you. If people are coming to you and saying that uh, they are an IAQA CMR or an IAQA CIE, they apparently haven't been paying attention, and they are no longer an IAQA CIE or an IAQA CMR. That doesn't exist any longer. We have given all of the certification programs to the council, and they have done a tremendous job of uh, making sure those are independent programs that are verifiable, and they keep records on these and they have uh, gone out and got third-party accreditation through the Council for Engineering and Scientific Specialty Boards, which is the same group that gives the uh, accredits the programs for certified industrial hygienists and certified safety professionals. This is a, a big deal that we're talking about here, isn't it, Adam? It was a big project, wasn't it? Absolutely. This is the, the same level, the same caliber of project that, uh, that we just heard David mention with that IESO has been completing with their ANSI accreditation. Uh, uh, certification accreditation is the, same, is the same kind of process. And as Joe mentioned, the CESB uh, is a well-respected accreditation body that has accredited the CIH program, the CSP program, CHMM program, and other prestigious certifications like that. So uh, we are very pleased that our highest level certification, the Council Certified Indoor Environmental Consultant, or CIEC, has been accredited by CESB as an engineering-related mark. And I'd also like to report that our highest microbial certification, the CMC, Council Certified Microbial Consultant, uh, has been approved for accreditation as well, and that accreditation will be announced at the CESB annual meeting in February. All of the rest of our certification programs, with the exception of the new apprentice marks, um, have been submitted for approval and for accreditation by CESB. The work's all been done. Uh, we're just awaiting board action on those things. So it's been, a, it's been a Herculean undertaking, and we're real proud of the progress that we've made. That sounds like you're... Go ahead, Cliff. Uh, it sounds like you're optimistic that these programs uh, are, are going to come along. Do you have any idea, you know, not that you have a crystal ball, how long it may take before you'll have approval on the next one? It's very likely that, we'll, that we will uh, get notification of approval in February for, for all of them. They, they were submitted uh, in a group at the end of the summer, and uh, that may have overloaded the approval committee slightly, but their next, uh, their next uh, official decision time is in February. So I wouldn't be surprised if we were able to announce in February that all of our uh, programs, with the exception, again, of the apprentice level, all of our programs are CESB accredited. Now, that's not, that's not a guarantee, of course, but that wouldn't surprise me. I've got a monetary question. You know, you had mentioned on this new apprentice program that there's this one-time fee of $100 for taking the examination. Along with that fee, do they get the three years uh, time period, or do they have to pay an annual fee every year in addition to that? 
Good question. Thanks for bringing that up, and that wasn't super clear. It's a one-year certification. Okay. So it's $100, and then they pay another $100 uh, for the annual recertification. So, And then, again, as I mentioned, you can only recertify uh, twice as an apprentice. So then they would need to move up to the board-awarded level. Okay. I'm sure that you're aware. You've probably looked at the competition, but as certification fees go, that one's a little stiff. Yes, we are aware of that, and and what we uh, basically our perspective on that is we don't want to uh, we don't want to unnecessarily put an undue burden on people. At the same time, we're very proud of our programs and believe that the work that's gone into making them to setting them apart in terms of value and in terms of prestige is worth the money. Follow up on that, Adam. After the first year. They would also, as a part of this renewal process, is there another exam and does that then move forward to moving them into the certification track? Absolutely. The, re the first recertification exam is more difficult than the original certification exam. Uh, and the second recertification exam is more difficult than the first. And so what we've done is designed the program so that with each passing year, uh, the apprentice is more and more prepared to take and pass the board awarded uh, certification. So we, uh, we change the tests upon which those tests are based and we make the tests slightly more difficult as they go along. So yes, I think you're exactly right in saying that, that it's an apprentice program that's, that's more than just a name-only program, but it actually brings a candidate along from a level of no knowledge and field experience up to a place where he is prepared to enter a board-awarded, accredited program. Right. So it's, it's the steps of movement up through the process. Exactly right. It's something that our members have been asking for that um, didn't exist before. It was like, how do I, you know, if I... I'm just starting out in this industry. How do I get this experience? I don't have any, I don't have any certification to go out and get a job or do a job. And how do I get the experience? So the whole idea was to create this entry level as opposed to um, just saying, "Well, we won't have any experience requirements at all." Is my understanding, Adam? Exactly right. Sounds like the council's creative thinking solved that proverbial problem of what comes first, the chicken or the egg, and the answer is the apprentice. I think, I think you're exactly right. It's well put. Uh, Cliff, thank you. You've always got a, a succinct way of putting things, let me tell you. Um, before we move on, I, I don't want to uh, cut Adam short, but I first want to make sure that our listeners understand there are three separate tracks, and there's sometimes some confusion, Adam, on, you know, people say, well, you've got this CIE, and, and in, the, in the past, the IAQA, the CIE was kind of the all-inclusive, you know, they were the uh, person who could do any type of indoor environmental quality. Now we've got this second track for microbial investigation with the top level being certified microbial consultant. Is that uh, let me ask, if, if I were, let's go back to our IICRC person who called in. I'm sure they're familiar with the IEP designation in the S520 category. If I wanted to be considered an IEP and I felt that I deserved it but I needed some certification, which of those two tracks would you recommend that I go into? That's a good question. And the, the answer is that for a person who is entering the field of indoor air quality and wants a broad focus and wants to be, um, you know, wants to do business as a consultant for whatever type of indoor air quality issue comes, comes along, then our indoor environmental investigation track is the track for him. The CIEC would be the designation we would hope he would uh, aspire to and attain. Um, and this is the designation that basically uh, 
covers any type of indoor air quality issue that you would encounter, lead and asbestos, uh, chemicals, industrial hygiene and toxicology, mold and moisture, um, HVAC, uh, building, uh, building sciences, uh, any, anything that falls under the broad rubric of indoor air quality. The microbial track, the certified uh, microbial consultant, is focused specifically on microbial sampling, the design and execution of sampling regimens. And so that's a specialty certification for an expert in that one particular aspect of indoor air quality investigation. And so that, it sounds to me like that's the, uh, similar to the, what people were calling an IEP. I, I think there's confusion there from time to time, people. That standard is specific to microbial remediation. And then that person, the IEP, comes in before the project sometimes and assesses the situation. They then come in at the end of the project and do what is called in the industry and in the IICRC standard of post-remediation verification. So it sounds to me like maybe the CMI-CMC track would be the one that would work best for people who are interested in that. And, uh, Adam, one thing we always ask before we let anybody go. There's actually two, I must say. First, for consumers out there, any tips for consumers? Any tips for consumers? And by consumers, you mean people that may be interested in our certifications or consumers who may be interested in getting somebody to take care of the IQ issues in their home or business? I prefer the second. Oh, very good. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess my, my, my first tip would be to go to our website, www.iaqcouncil.org, and you'll find that there is a consumer section as well as a professional section. And go ahead and click on the consumers link uh, to, to find the services that we offer. We, we have some, some new services that we're really excited about that can help you find the kind of assistance that you really need. Uh, in particular, you can find a listing of all of the council-certified individuals uh, that we have in the country and internationally and quickly locate someone who's in your area by using one of our zip code locator maps. We have a picture of the, of the nation that pops up. You can click near your home and find out who is certified in your area by the American Indoor Air Quality Council. Very shortly, we're also going to be launching a web page which uh, lists our certificates, uh, our certificate holders, I should say, according to the company they work for and whether or not that company has uh, professional liability or errors and emissions insurance. So we provide the consumer with an added um, safeguard knowing that he or she is working with somebody who is insured for the work that he's going to do. So uh, those, I guess those would be my first two consumer tips. Go check on the, uh, check on the website and see the different ways that we can uh, protect your interests as you search for an IAQ professional. Adam, I've got a question from a Waller uh, 4780. He says, I am a CIE. How do I get to become a CIEC? Could you answer that question, please? I'd love to. Uh, he's, he's writing that question in the last phase of our grandfathering period, which ends on December 31st of this year. All that's necessary is to fill out a grandfather application from our website, and it's in a, a fillable PDF format. So we can go to the website and find the grandfathering link, uh, fill in the application, print it out, and fax it in. It requires that he document the fact that he has at least five years of experience in, I'm sorry, he said he wanted to grandfather to the CIEC. It requires that he, he document eight years' experience in conducting indoor environmental investigations. And this is done via project sheets that he fills out online and can fax them into us in the same way that he does the grandfather application. 
Now, the, the eligibility requirements for the CIEC are the same in the grandfathering period as they are afterwards. And so what he needs is a combination of post-high school science-related education and field experience in indoor environmental investigations, a combination that totals eight years. So a four-year degree plus four years of experience or any combination thereof totaling eight. Additionally, if he scored above an 80% on his CIE exam, he will not have to take another test in order to grandfather to that CIEC designation. Um, finally, the, the grandfathering fee is $100, and if he waits till after the first of the year, then the fee is not the grandfathering fee, but the standard certification fee of 300 So there are some definite incentives to getting that grandfathering process started here in the next eight or nine weeks. Thank you. I'm so glad somebody texted that message in and asked that question. It's one that I should have asked because I, I actually just, just did a presentation on the microbial remediation track here, Cliff, and that was – I had people come up to me after and say, you know, if I got one piece of information while I've been here in Nashville that was the most important piece of information, it was that, and is, that is the fact that you can grandfather up as long as you do so before the end of this year. And Adam, if I'm correct, that's for all three tracks. Anyone who has CIE or CMR can grandfather up to the highest level, or a CMI, I guess it would be as well. Exactly right. The only, the only stipulation, again, is that he must meet the eligibility requirements of the higher level designation. But yes, the grandfathering period is open to all three of those tracks until the end of the year. So all of you listeners out there that haven't grandfathered in yet, uh, like Joe Hughes, actually, <laughs> and Radio Cliff Joe there, there, and Cliff Swan. <laughs> get, that, uh, get that application to the top of the pile on your desk like it is on mine back home, and uh, get that in as quickly as possible. Adam, before we go, I, I, I keep saying before we go, but I keep coming up with questions that I really haven't had a chance to ask you. More of a comment than a question. The American Indoor Air Quality Council, the IAQ Council, I would be – I would be negligent if I did not mention the fact that this is the same group from Phoenix, Arizona, that for so many years has been run by Charlie Wiles and uh, Carolyn Wiles. And uh, I just I wanted to make sure that I made a mention of that and that Adam is their uh, assistant executive director at this point in time, and he's kind of the face now on the IAQ Council. Is that accurate uh, description, Adam? As long as Charlie's not in the room to hear me say it, I'll say absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and we we wanted Charlie and and, and Adam. Uh, Charlie said, "You know what? Adam's a better speaker than I am anyway. You better get him up there, and he's the face of IAQ Council now. So get your listeners used to dealing with Adam. Charlie's slowly going off into a much deserved, uh, relaxing semi-retirement. He'll never retire, as far as I can tell. What do you think, Adam? I think you're right. Uh, his wife recently said that retirement, retirement for, for Charlie means putting new rubber on the car. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The last thing uh, that we, we have to mention, uh, we did the, uh, let's see, Consumer Cliff um, contact. Once again, Adam, how, how do people who are interested in programs, first of all, contact the council, and secondly, if they're interested in talking to you specifically, how do they talk to you? Sure. You know, we've done a lot of work on our website since unification was announced, and we have just about a complete set of documents and information that has to do with any aspect of our certification program, so I really encourage people to come check the website out. It's www.iaqcouncil.com. 
www.ncpsa.org. Uh, there's also uh, 800 numbers there to get in touch with our office staff. Um, Phyllis in the office is very helpful at, at dealing with any kind of problems uh, that consumers have or that certificate holders have. In addition, you can always reach me, Adam at iaqcouncil.org via email. Um, if you have, want to talk to me on the phone, just call the office and they'll forward it to me, and we'd be happy to talk with you no matter what your issue. Because it's, it's so important that our listeners get this information and grandfather and uh, also you know, contact the council, why not give them the phone number while we're at sure, it? Sure, my fault. I'm sorry, Joe. 1-800-942-0832. And Adam... Always we ask, is there anything that uh, we left out that you'd like to add or anything you, you can add to the, to the topic here? Well, there's one thing I thought of, Joe, and that is that when you were speaking with David a minute ago, you mentioned that the, um, uh, you, know, you asked him what the response had been from, from uh, members about, about the, uh, the change in their membership status, the transition from IESO over to IAQA. And I just wanted to comment on our perspective on that change, the change from council membership over to IAQA membership. And, uh, you know, we've gotten a, a, a really overwhelming overwhelmingly positive response from the uh, from our members. Um, we have great confidence and great faith in IAQA to run a top-notch membership organization, and we've been impressed by um, the wealth of and the and the breadth of the benefits that they're offering to their members. and And I I think I speak for a majority of our of our former members when I say that this unification has been great for membership. So we're very pleased with the uh, the progress we've been able to make in certification, and we're just as pleased with the progress that IAQA is making on the membership side. So we are as, just as happy with the unification at this point as we can be. Was there anything you wanted to follow up with? I'm done, Joe. Thank you. Oh, that's great. Hey, thanks so much for stopping in, Adam, and chatting with us and our listeners here and uh, giving us a little more information about the IAQ Council and their activities. And uh, go back downstairs and enjoy the rest of the conference here. And uh, if you would, just uh, say goodbye to all the folks out in uh, Radio Joe land out there. <laughs> it's been my pleasure, Joe. Thank you very much. I'll talk with you all later. All right. Thank you, Adam. Well, as you can see, we've had a, a really interesting and a very exciting conference here, Cliff, and uh, I'm really hopeful that uh, things came through loud and clear on the other end. IAQA, uh, we didn't have our... Our IAQA representative probably got tied up in a um, <laughs> in some type of meeting because it seems like I haven't had about two minutes of time here when I wasn't in some type of meeting. I just wanted to quickly announce that um, for those of you that are IAQA members, and we hope we have more and more as time goes on, that our President uh, from last year, Mr. Bob Baker, was reelected to president again this year, and he will continue to lead us through this very uh, trying but gratifying unification and consolidation. Uh, we now have a new position of first vice president, Mr. Tom Yacobellis, who was a guest of ours, Cliff, if you recall. Earlier. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. How can I forget? How can you forget, Tommy, and... Uh, what is it now? Ducks. I, I messed up the name. I'll, I'll have to say it again. It's Ducks, D-U-C-T-Z. They have uh, merged with the old Duck Busters gang, and Tom is our first vice president. And we also this year had uh, two 
somewhat newcomers to the executive board, uh, Mark DeLau, who we will have to have on next week. Uh, Mark DeLau is with DeLau and Associates, was elected as a vice president president of IAQA. And another one of our past guests, Carl Grimes, has uh, been elected as vice president. We now have two vice presidents and a first vice president so that we have a way of having people succeed or um, move up in the ranks from, you know, president to uh, or vice president or first vice president, first vice president to president. And uh, it's been an exciting week here, and uh, we've uh, got all of that information to announce as well. So it's been a very interesting, gratifying week. And Cliff, I'm, I'm curious, I, I kind of lost track. What happened with the trivia question? Um, the Chad got the first trivia question, or I'm sorry, Chad got the second trivia question, uh, which was name the insecticide recommended for eradicating ringworm. That was really a trick question in that ringworm is not, a, is not related to insects. It's actually a fungal infection, and uh, he picked that up. It's caused by dermatophytic fungi, and it's good. Very Smart good. guy. Right. Chad's on top of it. We do... Uh... We do take this cliff in particular. I have to, I have to uh, really you know, give a, some kudos to my co-host here. He takes his trivia questions very seriously and uh, works hard at developing good trivia questions. And uh, we're very, uh, you know, we're very cautious about making sure that people have the correct answer, and we keep track of what time it came in. And I guess Chad joins uh, the elite group of trivia masters now, huh, Cliff? Well, yeah, the funny thing is, Chad, had he not already qualified to go into the second round, he just answered the other question. But I'm not no, going to give that answer out. But uh, I'm glad he got it. I'm not sure how he got it, but I'm glad he got it. Uh, I'm impressed. We have a, we have a trivia. We, we'll have to get him on Jeopardy or something. I don't oh. know. <laughs> I'm waiting to see if he can get the uh, how Stacky Botchus got the name. He's been unable to find that one, so we uh, still challenge a, him to do that. That's a tough one there. That's a tough one. Well, hey, what we'd like to do uh, before we go is, as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors for the week. That would be Dry East Products, providing equipment for drying water-damaged homes and buildings. DryEase is first in drying solutions at dryease.com. That's D-R-I-E-A-Z.com. And also we'd like to thank our original and continuing sponsor, Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry, subscriptions and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. And for those of you that want more information on the certification renewal credits available through IAQ Radio, please email us at info, I-N-F-O, at IAQtraining.com, or you can email me directly, joe.hughes, H-U-G-H-E-S, at IAQtraining.com. And finally, I'd like to also mention that we now have a direct link to uh, direct link from our website at iaqtraining.com to our page at TalkShoe. So you don't have to um, go through the um, little bit of a maze that sometimes people have problems navigating to get to the show. Just go to iaqtraining.com, 
click the banner ad up in the right-hand corner, and it will take you directly to our show. I'd also like to mention to our listeners to watch in the future here within, I believe it will be about a month now, we will have our own advertising up on that page as opposed to the Google ads that run down the side now. And uh, I would also just quickly mention that we don't have any control over those Google ads, but we will have control over the advertising that comes down the road here in the future. So uh, with that, Cliff, is there anything that you wanted to add before we sign off for today? Well, there's one thing that Waller4780 wanted to add. He wanted to thank both you and Adam for clarifying how to become a CIEC. Wow. That's, you know, that has been the one thing that people have been really happy about. I hope we, we get that word out to a lot more people. And I hope, what is it, Waller uh, also tells anybody he knows that, you know, it's uh, – the, the clock is ticking, as they say, and uh, time is running out, so get yourself grandfathered in. Um, well, this is Radio Joe, Joe Hughes. I want to uh, thank my co-host, Cliff Slotnick. Thanks to our sponsors. And also, of course, thanks to CJ, Cyber Jockey, Zach Slotnick. Um, most importantly, I want to thank you, our growing group of loyal listeners. Cliff, I can't tell you how many people came up to me at the booth here and said, I heard your show on this or I heard your show on that. Without you, there's no radio show. There's no continuing communication and education that we would like to see expanded as time goes on. So please come back and join us next Friday at noon for the next broadcast of IAQ Radio. Take care, all. Bye-bye. Bye.